Welcome to Questions About Heaven, a podcast about giving Bible answers to our questions about the afterlife with God. Each week we seek to answer real-life questions with biblical answers about the life beyond this world. Now, here's your host, Brad Zockel. And good day to you. This is Brad Zockel. We're continuing our study in the book of Revelation. And now we're in Revelation chapter 6. We've been walking through verse by verse in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 1, for example, told us who this is all about. The book of Revelation revealing revelation. The revelation was of Jesus. And we saw the eyes of flame of fire symbolizing the holy judgment that Jesus is giving upon those. Looking into the soul of everybody. Are you a believer or not? Will you follow me into salvation or not? And then we also see he is wearing a robe of great judgment, a judge's robe, having a belt about him like a cummerbund of gold signifying deity. Anytime you look in the Bible, you see gold. You're looking at Godness, and this is the very center of Christ himself, is the deity of Jesus. Then we would also see uh, in chapter 2 and chapter 3, the direction, the message to the churches in being aware of what's to come and what are you doing and in what condition you are. Seven churches are addressed. Two are commended. The other five are chastised for their work or lack of work, their heart's attitude. Then we went into chapter four. and In chapter four was the introduction of John going into heaven. He's heading into heaven, stepping in. What's the first thing he sees? He sees throne, the throne of God. The throne will be used all through this book. Over 40 times, we see the reference to throne, which is symbolizing the authority. Who's in charge? God the Father. Yahweh is in charge. He is laying out the judgment against those who are on the earth in rebellion. And he is also setting up the kingdom we will see later on for those who are with him. Chapter 5 says specifically that this reclamation of the entire universe goes to Jesus who takes this scroll up and there's massive singing and celebration by angels and the redeemed on this one. A new song, a song of redemption, a song of victory, a song of glory, a song of praise and that is brought here. And now the seals are being opened. This is a seven-sealed scroll, which signifies the title deed to the universe. And the rightful owner, Jesus, is now reclaiming this. And in breaking open the seals, he is going back to the title deed of the earth and taking charge. So when we see this, we're seeing a magnificent story, but it is also encased in the very sobering judgment against those who are in rebellion against him. Let me read here, and let's get started with this. You can say that this would be known as the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the first four seals, the judgment of the horsemen. Now I saw, starting in chapter 6 and verse 1, when the lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, come and see. And I looked and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him and he went out conquering and to conquer. So we have a living creature here, a heavenly being that is saying, come and see. 
We want you to notice what is going on. A white horse appears after one of the seals is broken open. And I'll remind you, this seal is sort of like a clay stamp that is put on a scroll of possession. In the days that this was written, everybody would be familiar with a uh, a legal document that would be sealed with twine and with a clay boule that would be put in there and uh, stamped on there, a stamp of possession, ownership, legality. It's broken open here. And when we see this, this is going to signify the destiny of what's going to happen here, what's going to happen to man, what's going to happen to the universe here. Now, when we look at this, we're seeing something that is a fulfillment of the uh, what has been going on in uh, the prophets' uh, predictions, in their uh, proclamations of what is going to happen. Down through the ages, we've seen this. Jeremiah, for example, in talking about the end times and the terror that will come, has talked about the different symptoms of the sickness of the end times. Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 14, it tells you that they have healed the brokenness of my people superficially. In other words, we have false prophets coming, saying, peace, peace, but there is no peace. You look over in Jeremiah chapter 8, and then you will see in verse 11, it brings it again. They have healed the brokenness of the daughter of my people superficially, saying, peace, peace. But there is no peace. And when you see these proclamations of falsehood being said, oh, there will be peace coming by the prophets and, of course, by the false prophet, which is being introduced here. When you look at Matthew chapter 24, we see that Jesus is telling the disciples what is going on here, what is happening here, uh, when they're asking, Lord, when will the sign of these times be? And when you look in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is answering them, letting them know about this. In here, we see that it's a very, very stark picture from the mouth of Jesus himself is what is actually happening. So when you look at Matthew chapter 24 and verse 3, you're going to see Jesus is on the Mount of Olives. The disciples will come to him quietly, privately. They don't want a general audience. They want to know themselves. Sort of like asking for a, a, a graduate level class of what's going to happen. Lord, what's going to happen? When will this be? You're talking about the end of the age. Okay, so what are the signs? What will happen to us? And so Jesus says, verse 4, you don't want to be misled. Make sure that you are not deceived by this. Many will come in my name and they will claim that they are the Christ and they will actually mislead many people. So what is he saying here? There's going to be a deception. There are going to be some that are going to come and claim to be the Christ, and the thing is, it's going to work. Many will be deceived. And what's going to happen? Oh, it's going to be peace, as Jeremiah says in chapter 6. Jeremiah says in chapter 8, peace and safety, but it's all, and here's the key word in that translation, superficial. It's all superficial. Because when you you look then in Matthew chapter 24, 
What does Jesus then say? Well, then there will be wars and rumors of wars. Verse 7, nations will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. You're going to have famines. You're going to have earthquakes. Verse 9, tribulation, persecution. There's going to be hatred against you. So what's going to happen? This will all start with a deception. And when we look at this, we're seeing this exactly what's going on here in this passage in Revelation chapter 6. Who's the great deceiver? Okay, When the Lamb opened one of the seals, the white horse is introduced, and the one who sits on it has a bow, and a crown was given him, and he's conquering, and somebody will say naively, well, that's got to be Jesus. No, no, not at all. The Bible, if you want to see one thing, this gives the appearance of one that would want to appear like Jesus. But for one thing, Jesus never carried a weapon. This one on here has a bow. This one here is given a crown, and it's a Stephanos crown, which is an earned crown. Jesus, the Greek word for the crowns he has is a diademus. He has those given by birthright. He doesn't have to earn them. And in here, you're seeing that he's going out and he is trying to give an appearance of a quiet, peaceable kingdom in the midst of all the chaos that's going on here. And so one of the four living creatures with a voice like thunder says this, come and see. Now, in, in this presentation here, it's to say, pay attention. The, uh, the heavenly being is saying, observe this, observe what the end times is going to be introducing, one who is a, deception, a deceiver, uh, one in deception and all. Going out to conquer, well, you can think of the many that will go out and conquer through deceptive words down through history. Those that had the words in rhetoric, in speeches, in a narrative of a supposed peace. But behind all that, behind all the glories and the joys that they promise, is nothing but disaster. And all. This is what we're talking about here. The conquering. Come and see this. Understand this now. You're going to see that at this time, this uh, is going to be a time that is of a great trouble. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 Verses 6 and 7 says, And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. What happens? You're going to see this leader come up here. The restrainer is being held in check here. And what happens here is the beginning of the problems come by one who wants to give a deception of peace. Verse 3, when the Lord opens the second seal, then there is also concentration called. The second heavenly being says, come and see, observe what's going on. Another horse, now this one is a deep red, went out. It was granted, see, God, just as with uh, with what Satan had done with Job, God only allows to a limit. It was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth that people should kill one another, and there was given to him a great sword. 
So there's going to be destruction. But I find this very interesting here. It doesn't say push war, but take peace. Well, now, how does that happen? Well, through the deception that happens on the first horse. When one, see, how many times have you heard of conflict within a business, within a religious institution, within a neighborhood that started by words? When you go into the different social media, when you see these different clips of people that will cause issues, and you'll see a clip of somebody filming in a restaurant, somebody that is causing problems, and are in the neighborhood or at a workplace, what is it usually of? Words. Words that caused conflict. That takes peace from a room real fast. Well, that's what happens here. And what is being brought is taking away the security, taking away the peaceableness. And that's what starts this. This is granted to them. And what happens is there is going to be bloodshed because of this. In our, what does the Christian in our world, what does the Christian do? A Christian brings about an answer to the conflict and the confusion of the world by bringing peace. When one wants to disrupt the Christian walk, what do they do? They want to disrupt that peace. They want to take away the security that can be promised in Christ. And that's what happens here. And where there is no Christ, there's not going to be peace here too. Revelation chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, this black horse comes now. When Jesus opens the third seal, John says, I heard the third heavenly being say, come and see, come and observe, come over here, look closely, microscopically at what's going on here. So I did look and behold a black horse and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. This is very curious. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four heavenly beings saying, a quarter of wheat for a denarius, that's a day's pay three quarters of barley for a denarius, a day's pay. Do not hurt the oil and wine. Now, what's this mean? Okay, the scales in the hand are like those scales that you would see in the law office's logo of those balancing scales that's held up by justice. Think of that. And what it's talking about is measuring, measuring very, very carefully when you're doing this. Well, what has to be measured? Well, it then tells you. A quart of wheat for a day's pay. Three quarts of barley for a day's pay. Now, what it would say is this. If you would work for a full day, you would have enough to get you a loaf of bread with wheat. Now, barley doesn't have as many nutrients, and so you'd have a bit more on there too. Now, that might take care of you, all right? That would give you enough to get you through the day, an individual. But what if you're a breadwinner with three, four children at home, spouse at home? You're going to split one loaf of bread among five, six uh, mouths? This is going to be a time of great famine. Think of it. This is just for one. Even a childless couple, they're splitting the nutrients for one person into two. Yes, this is a time of famine here too. The great famine, think of it. After World War I, the destitution of the people of Germany, whose uh, Deutschmarks would be used to actually paper walls against the, the, uh, the cold, and, and wheelbarrows of Deutschmarks would barely be enough to buy a loaf of bread. There was uh, an absolute uh, devastating famine after that war. 
You're going to see something even worse than that here. But don't harm the oil and wine. This is almost a sarcastic statement. It's talking about the pretties of the world. And I like to tell my students at college uh, when I'm teaching this class on this area, this would be like you're coming in in the midst of a famine. You're, you're running into a store and there's the shelves are almost all empty. And you're saying, I need some of the staples of life for my family. Butter. I need milk. I need bread. And they're, and they're beyond any compassion. Oh, doesn't everybody want food? Why are you coming in here? You know we don't have anything. And you're screaming out, I want something to give to my children. They go, oh, you want something? Okay, go down this aisle. There's all the Twizzlers and breath mints you want. You can have all of them here at a bargain price. You're saying that will not sustain the family. Those are candies. Those are sugary things. They say, hey, look, you can have all you want. So this is mocking it. Well, don't hurt the oil and the wine. This is all you wanted all your life, was just the pretties of the world, was just all the decadence of the world, and didn't think about the staples of life, physically or spiritually. And so now you're left without that. And I think about this when we're talking about the beginning of the end times, on how people today, when we talk with people, they're so secure to the point of being smug. I have everything I need. Why would I need God? Why would I need a Jesus Christ and be dependent on him? I'm independent. Well, what if that was taken away? When I lived in Phoenix, there were rolling blackouts, and suddenly people realized what life is like in the desert without any electricity, air conditioning, or the evening's lighting. When I lived in California, there was a time of a water shortage, and suddenly people took for granted what came out of the tap and it's not there anymore. And rationing was a real uh, uh, thing. In Tennessee, we had a hurricane and a hailstorm come through. And all the power utilities was down. And the, the houses were damaged. And suddenly your homestead is just not the same when you realize even the slightest rain is pouring water down the walls of your house. You see, things change when all the things we take for granted are not there by default. And you're going to see these things coming. And so I'm going to stop this right now for us to realize in the judgments of the world, God allows the basic necessities of life that were so taken for granted to be put in front of the non-believer to say, if you're not thinking of the supernatural, if you're not thinking of things beyond this, what about the natural things if they're taken away? Now you realize who the great benefactor is the one who gives the graces of life to you. It's a very sobering thought here in the initial opening of God showing his justice on the world. Thank you so much. This is Brad. We're going to go into an intense study here. And uh, I want you to think about this and write your notes down. And we will talk some more on this. Take this in to a great and serious consideration as we talk about this. We have just talked about three of the four horsemen opening up the sealed judgments in Revelation chapter 6. Thanks for joining us this week on Questions About Heaven with Brad Zockel of the Zulon International Bible Institute. Be sure to visit our website, zulon.org, to learn more about our Bible ministry. That's X-U-L-O-N.org. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. And keep an eye out for our upcoming ebook, Questions About Heaven. Thanks, God bless you, and have a great day.